Hello, everybody. Welcome to Health Chatter episode, I believe it's 23. And wow, this has been a ride. We've had some really, really good, good shows. And we have another one in the queue for us today. It's a, actually, it's a really, this is our Thanksgiving show, right? Happy Thanksgiving to, to everybody. You'll be getting the show live, everybody, on Friday, the day after Thanksgiving. But Thanksgiving, happy to all of you, and we hope it's happy and healthy. Um, let's see. So as we usually do, we like to to um, introduce our, our great background people that, that make this podcast uh, successful. And we have two great researchers, and they've done a wonderful job on our subject today. We'll get into that in a second. We have Aaron Collins and Maddie Levine-Wolf. They provide great background research and also great talking points and questions for us. So thank you to you guys. Matthew Campbell's our production manager. Without him, all the logistics and everything about this podcast, if you left it to Clarence and I, it wouldn't be successful at all because we're kind of uh, not very high-tech people, but Matthew is making us more so. So thank you, Matthew. Then, of course, um, my dear, dear colleague, who I'm very, very thankful for is um, Clarence Jones. It's like we, we always try to give each other a bear hug virtually every time we get together or, or talk. We've gone back a long ways. And um, this is a great trusted relationship, not only collegial, but friendship wise. And um, man, I greatly appreciate Clarence a lot. Today, we've got a great show for all of you. Um, it's kind of ironic that we're connecting it with Thanksgiving, oral health, okay? Because we are going to be doing some eating, okay? But we'll get into some of that with our illustrious guests and i'm going to turn it over to clarence who will introduce them to you clarence take it away thank you stan i am honored today to have two people that i have known for a while uh and i, I want to just we're going to be talking about oral health i want to talk about how i i became interested in this topic and and, and why these these two individuals are so important to me as well i used to be the director of a, a federally qualified health center and one of the first, uh, I don't want to say conflicts, but one of the first intense conversations that I had was with the dentist. And in that conversation, it was it was not it was not in the adversarial kind of thing, but in that in that conversation, he talked to me about the issue of oral health, and he said something to me that that has always stuck with me. He said uh, he understood oral health as being the stepchild of medicine. And so when he said that, I thought like. Okay, and so I've spent my career trying to make sure that I understand the importance of oral health. And so I've been very fortunate to have uh, people come into my life. And two of those individuals are here today, uh, uh, Dr. Sheila Riggs and Nancy Frank Wilson. And I'm going to do a, a, a uh, I'm going to do that a professional academic kind of thing. But uh, I just want, I want the, those who are listening uh, to this podcast to understand these are some individuals who are truly committed to the subject of oral health and we're going to be able to get into that. So Dr. Dr. Sheila Riggs is the chair of the Department of Primary Dental Care at the University of Minnesota School of Dentistry. She also serves on the 
Community Engagement Team for the University Clinical and Translational Science Institute. Uh, she has navigated a uniquely influential career as a dentist, epidemiologist, uh, acrobatician, uh, corporate executive, and policy advocate. She's done a lot of things. And she's also passionate about removing barriers to care and improving the oral health care of all Minnesotans. And I can, I can vouch for that. And then Nancy Frank Wilson, she is the executive director of the Minnesota Oral Health Coalition. She holds a Master of Science in Health Science and Public Administration. She's a prolific public speaker and trainer and also a wonderful colleague. And I say that because it is so important in this work when you have people like uh, uh, Dr. Sheila Riggs and, and uh, uh, Nancy Frank Wilson. It's so important in the work that I do in community to have people that you can trust that will give you accurate and appropriate information. And I know that uh, uh, for both uh, uh, Dr. Sheila and uh, uh, Nancy, they have been involved with, with human partnership in a variety of different types of uh, events. And so I just want to introduce you to them and uh, I'm gonna turn it back over to you, Stan. I just wanna just say, we are excited about both of them being here. And I think we're gonna have a wonderful, wonderful dialogue. Well, thank you. And, and by the way, you mentioned Human Partnership. Human Partnership is a sponsor of this, of this podcast and many thanks go to them. They are really involved in the community and we love that organization as well. So Dr. Riggs and, and Nancy, welcome. So, you know, thank I could you. probably maybe summarize this whole show with continue to floss and continue to brush your teeth. Okay. <laughs> Maybe that's what it's all about, right? All right. Brush so, your teeth with a soft toothbrush. A soft toothbrush. I wish I to... all the stores would take off the medium and hard toothbrushes out of their racks. You know, that's a really good question. Why yeah. do we even have what what's what's the story behind tooth? As long as we're talking, you bring it up. <laughs> Let's talk about toothbrushes for a second here, because good God, there's a, a zillion kinds. There, mm. we just bought mm. some for our grandkids. You know, with you know, with the you know all the characters on them and everything. There's children's <laughs> toothpaste. There's all these different types of toothpaste. Let's talk about toothbrushes to start out with. What you know, electric toothbrushes, water picks, everything. What really should we be using? Well, great, great question that, that we dentists get every day. <laughs> <laughs> you know, what this all comes down to is there's bacteria in your mouth. And we want to encourage everyone to spend time twice a day removing bacteria. Uh, and so anything that gets you to brush your teeth um, or with manual or electric um, for a minute or so in the morning and at night. Um, that's what we want. And consumers have different preferences. That's why some people like the manual toothbrush. A lot of people like electric toothbrush, uh, water picks, but it's all the same thing. However, what you don't want to do is brush so hard at that tooth gum line with a hard or even a medium soft brush that you damage the gum. So that's why my number one lesson takeaway today is only buy soft or very soft uh, manual toothbrushes. Uh, and usually electric toothbrushes only come with them, uh, the ones I've seen, but 
that's and Nancy, what do you want to add to that? Well, I think I think when you talk about all the the variety of toothbrushes and like you said, the tooth the um, water pick, what's interesting is I think that meets into our marketing culture. If if soft is good, then then a hard bristle must be better. And um, so that's why I think this is really important to have these conversations. Um, no, sometimes too much is just too much. You know, also, you know, my dentist, you know, because if you aren't careful the way you brush, okay, like if you're right-handed, you can really damage more on one side when you're brushing. And so he recommended, he said, well, when you go on the other side, use your other hand. Which is interesting because then you know you know you know because when you're right-handed you're kind of right dominant and you can do it harder. Okay. Yeah. All right, so let's talk about toothpaste. Oh my God! All right, <laughs> we can talk toothpaste and we can talk about mouthwashes and all those other kinds of stuff. And there's a, a zillion different types of toothpastes now, including, okay. including charcoal. Yes, I like. Yes. I like. I like. What the hell? What the yeah. What's that? Yeah. You know, that, again, the main thing that all these products need to have, no matter what your age, is fluoride. So fluoride, as a child, um, we want you to drink fluoridated water and use fluoridated toothpaste because it actually strengthens the tooth's enamel. And as a child, it does it both by swallowing it and it grows the permanent teeth stronger. And as an adult, it makes that top layer of enamel stronger. And so the number one thing, and this is what worries me about the charcoal new option, um, is that does it have the fluoride in it? You know, I think the, um, the charcoal has the a resonance again, as Nancy pointed out, with all the marketing expertise we have in America. <laughs> you know, this charcoal is helping you get it clean because there's some kind of roughness to it. But really, a soft toothbrush with toothpaste that is fluoridated is the magic. Dr. Riggs, I wanna, I want, I really want to ask you this question because you brought up fluoride. There has been in my lifetime a lot of people that resisted. Yes, fluoride and communities. Yeah, mm -hmm. and communities. So tell us, tell us the back, tell us the other side of this story about yeah. fluoride. You know, fluoride is naturally occurring. Uh, it in a and a little over half of America, just the water in the aquifers, the water that we naturally uh, take out of the faucet the fluoride is naturally occurring. And what we discovered about 80 years ago, 70 years ago, is that the communities without fluoride naturally occurring had more decay because the tooth, the tooth was not formed in the strong way. And that communities where it was naturally occurring, there was, few, there was less decay. That's how we as dentists and public health dentists put two and two together. So it is um, naturally occurring substance that again, makes that tooth stronger as it's growing into a tooth in your jaws uh, as children. 
Actually, and we'll get to children in a minute for sure. Go right. ahead, Clarence. Yeah, let me. I wanted to bring in uh, uh, Nancy, Nancy Frank Wilson. Yeah, uh, I just. Oh. Yes, uh, <laughs> Dr. Dr. Riggs just talked about dentists and public health officials. You're the executive director of the Minnesota Oral Health Coalition. Could you talk about your work? And I mean, we're, we're going to talk about the about definitely about oral health. But what is your what is your what is your organization about? So thanks for asking. And I, I um, so the Minnesota Oral Health Coalition was started by a group of amazing volunteers and the Minnesota Department of Health in about 2008, 2009. In 2014, um, that group received funding from the Delta Dental Minnesota Foundation and was able to hire its first executive director, which was me. And we were awarded our 501c3 nonprofit status. And um, we join, depending on the year, we join up to 41 other states in our nation that have a statewide 501c3 uh, oral health coalition. And um, our mission really is to support the oral health community through partnership, resources, and outreach. So what we, we like to say is that um, we're a great connector organization. We're here for um, the providers, for the educators, we're here for public health, we're here for anyone who wants to get involved with oral health. And um, one of the things I think we do really well, in addition to connecting people and communicating and doing um, awareness, is we try to develop resources that are needed um, by a variety of, of oral health folks. Um, one of them, we just talked about fluoride. So several years ago, we had um, two pediatricians on our board of directors, and they said, you know, we're just really lacking a good fluoride varnish training video. So we were able to put together like a five-minute fluoride varnish training video with the help of Hennepin County Medical Center. And um, then we did a parent and guardian video in eight languages. So basically that video says, you know, what's fluoride varnish? Why do we put it on a child's teeth or a person's teeth? Um, how do we care for that fluoride varnish after the application's completed? Um, so we did that in eight languages and we've just been awarded some grant money from 3M. We're going to be doing another 12 languages. Wow. Um, yeah. So that's all on our YouTube uh, channel. And um, so we also have a new campaign called Meet Your Mouth. It's part of your body. And um, those, all that information is on our website and there we have one page shares that you can download. And then we have a whole host of social media infographics on your mouth and vaping, your mouth and aging, your mouth and sports, um, your mouth and diabetes, things like that. Because we know that, you know, what happens in your mouth affects is affected by your entire body, right? That that blood circular system goes everywhere. It, do, it doesn't just stay in your in your um, mouth. So, um, yeah, so that's it. And that's why we get to partner with Human and the University of Minnesota Dental School and, you know, all of our uh, MD, Minnesota Department of Health, all our great partners um, because of our of our mission. So you know, it's a, these are great, great partnerships out, out <laughs> in, in the community. Let me. Let, Oh my God, there's so many topics in oral health, it's unbelievable. Yeah. Okay, so let, let here's a here's an interesting one. All right. Um, 
we were doing a project when I was at the Department of Health, you know, in the cardiovascular arena, trying to link yeah. cardiovascular health with oral health. Okay. And it got it got the connection going of dentists taking your blood pressure, right? When yes. when you when you go in and and are are having a, a checkup or what have you. To the point whereby if your blood pressure is high, they would do referrals. Okay. And we worked it the other way around as mm -hmm. well, where we were having a primary care physicians, you know, you know, take a look in a person's mouth and say, hey, wait a minute here. You know, you've got some, you know, you've got loose teeth or you're missing some teeth. Do you have a dentist? And if so, we should be in connection. You bring up, Nancy, you bring up a wonderful point of, you know, this is, our, it's part of our body, okay? And we've got to start there. Right. That That's where we came up with meet your mouth. I mean, it's it's kind of a, it's a joke, but, you know, are people aware that what happens here, you know, your mouth is part of your body. And, and I think Clarence started out by talking about that separation and we can talk for a long time about why there's a separation. You know, you go here for your medical and here for your dental. We have right. different insurance, things like that. Um, but I was a part of that um, that project that was um, Centers for Disease Control and Prevention Correct. Funded. And it was called Models of Collaboration. And so we were lucky enough to get uh, public health, meta, uh, cardiovascular specialists and dentists in a room and look at how would we collaborate and what are those markers? What what do we look at in a dentist's office to help us figure out what's a healthy heart? And what do the cardiovascular surgeons look at to say, hey, is this mouth healthy for us to do surgery? And that was very successful. I, I think you know, I thought that was a great, great yeah. project. Bi-directional referral. You know, and I like to uh, frame it as we need to look at dental offices as a brand new primary care office uh, and great point the primary care office because particularly you men you do not go to see your physician <laughs> you go decades without going to see a physician but you are going to see your dentist and so uh, I agree Stan that uh, it's so logical for uh, the dentist, the dental office, because it doesn't even need to be the dentist, the assistant or the hygienist uh, can do the blood pressure that we can find so much undiagnosed high blood pressure. Uh, right. Now, I have to tell you, uh, at the School of Dentistry, we, we put that into the regular appointment that the blood pressure is taken. And it kind of dismays me that when our our graduates go off and into the community and practice, they kind of drop drop that uh, because I think that we can be such an integral part. Again, we really should be defined as part of the primary care network for communities to not only for high blood pressure, but um, I've had a strong interest. And I know you, you uh, and Clarence have focused a lot on diabetes uh, in health chatter episodes that we also should be part of uh, the system that finds undiagnosed 
people who have diabetes that are undiagnosed because diabetes does play out in the mouth, particularly around gum disease. What we have found is people who have undiagnosed uh, or not, maybe they know they have diabetes, but they're not really treating it well, the gums never heal. They'll come in for cleaning um, and the gums aren't healing like, like someone who doesn't have diabetes. And that's biologically very logical. Um, so again, with the simple tests now, A1C can be um, tested so quickly, uh, not, does not need to be part of a health system. Um, I think in addition to finding people who have high blood pressure undiagnosed, we should also be a team member about finding uh, the Americans who don't know they have diabetes. You know, you know, we focus a lot of these, these the medically oriented health chatter episodes on um, three aspects, prevention, acute treatment, and, and disease management. And, you know, it's, you know, as you were, as you were speaking here, I was thinking to myself, geez, you know, your mouth is like the entry point for prevention. Okay. Mm -hmm. Think about that. I mean, okay. What we eat, how we take care of it, you know, our, our mouth, our oral aspects, our teeth, et cetera, really has a, a prevention aspect for your whole system, your whole body. Absolutely. Right, so let, let, let me, Let's talk about kids for a second, because, you know, I've got, you know, Janet, my wife and I have kids on the mind right now with grandkids. All right. What should, you know, if you, if there were takeaways for kids, you know, for infants, toddlers, et cetera, what should the takeaway be for our, for our listening audience here? I would start with um, the Minnesota Oral Health Coalition website. <laughs> great. Great. We'll get that on our website. Well, because so often dentists don't speak in a way that uh, resonates uh, with families. Um, and this is what's so wonderful about having the partnership here in Minnesota with the Oral Health Coalition is that they, they know how to use the right kind of language and provide the materials uh, that do uh, connect. But, you know, again... I'll just be Johnny one note here because I, I feel so strongly about um, fighting back against the disinformation campaigns around mm -hmm. right uh, you know is making sure your children grandchildren have fluoridated water getting the fluoride varnish again at now already uh, medical offices are applying the fluoride varnish right. like your dental office and then uh, the prevention of sealants uh, yeah. is very, very, very effective at making sure that initial decay never starts. So, all right. Yeah. So that's kids. Right. What, what do you think, Clarence? You think we, you know, you think we're we're doing a good job at that in our communities, getting kids to brush their teeth and floss and all this <laughs> other good stuff. Well, you know, I I, I was I, <laughs> this is quite interesting because I I, I had a, a question that might seem a little bit. Uh, off base, but I think it might fit into this whole conversation. And it is this, why do people think dentists cause more pain than doctors? Uh, 
Well, you know, they poke Clarence, around a lot. I mean, I mean, I mean, you know, I mean, I mean, when you think when you think about a little kid, a little kid, you know, they they and, and parents like, oh my god, we got to go to the dentist, you know, and the doctor doesn't have as much fear. So let's talk about that a little bit. Yeah, it's a great question and mm-hmm. very true, Clarence. It's it's it is, you know, it's a very personal encounter. You know, if you think about, um, you know, for children or adults. You know, you're laid out flat. Um, somebody you really don't know has their face about six inches from you. And there's in- instruments that either poke or have a really, you know, drill or give you a shot. You know, it's, I think, Clarence, why it's different from physicians versus dentistry is just just that setting really sets off a very vulnerable uh, and and uh, odd uh, way of existing. Yeah, you know, I, I'll tell you also, that, although I will say this about dentists, they're getting better, okay? You know, it's not, you know, it still kind of hurts when they're poking around and everything, but this is really interesting. And you guys, and you can reflect on this, both of you. So I had to have, I don't know, about a year ago or whatever it was, I had to have a crown. And, and you know, there was a whole, you know, historically, if you've had a crown in the past, there was this whole process. I mean, you know, they would, you know, they would grind your tooth down to China and uh, and drill here, there, and wherever. And then they put, you know, and correct me if I'm wrong, like a tin can, you know, temporary on, and then you'd have to come back in three weeks or whatever the heck it was until the crown was made. Now, at least at my dentist, he said, no, 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 no. We can make your crown here in two hours. Just bring a book, read a book, you know, you'll sit here for two hours in the crown. And I said, what? So talk to me about how technology has, has really gained in the oral health arena. Well, I'd like to back up really quickly. Yeah, during that two hours, you probably listened to Health Chatter podcasts. I could have, yeah. 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 Um, yeah. I just want to back up a little bit um, and talk about the, when you were talking about prevention, what Dr. Riggs was talking about is, um, you know, having someone six inches from your mouth and things like that. And I think that really points to why prevention is so important, right? Um, And also getting kids, we talked about children, getting kids into the dentist early and maybe even having them go with mom and dad or a guardian or grandma and grandpa so that they can get to know that um, the dentist office is really a great place and your dentist is part of your, your family care and things like that. My father loved the dentist and um, I always used to get teased because I, I got that from him. So when I started working in, in oral health, people, people that knew me said, oh, for the love of God, she's finally working with teeth. She just loves it. Um, but I learned that from my father. I watched him love to go to the dentist. So I just wanted to put in that plug for- It's a great point. You know, Make getting it comfortable. Our, right. Getting our kids in early, us having a, you know, as parents or as older people, having a really positive attitude about the dentist um, so that when kids go, because they learn from us, you know, I always say, I- hate going on rides, you know, at amusement parks. But when my daughters were little, I faked it because I didn't want them to learn that from me and they love rides. So I just wanted to, I didn't want to leave that topic because um, Dr. Riggs made such a great point um, that that the kids will pick up from us 
And that changes their whole perspective on the dentist for their lives. So Nancy, so. you and I should go to amusement parks together because you and I are, you know, the same way. It's like, you yeah. know, the oh. rest of my family is like, let's go on the roller coasters, et cetera, et cetera. But, ah. yeah. um, my daughters okay. have no clue. I hate right. it. <laughs> right. So, all right. So let's back up a little bit. Okay. So technology, I kind of touched on that and, and things in the, in the, in the oral world are getting better, um, easier to tolerate, um, et cetera. Um, let's talk about diseases. Okay, what what's kind of you know? There's a whole bunch of them. You know, there's gum disease, there's tooth loss, there's you know the, the whole nine yards. Let's kind of lay out a few of these and say, all right, how do we disease man? How do we acute treatment them, and how do we disease manage these disease entities of the mouth? You know, um, I I will spend a little time on the very common diseases of decay, yep. gum disease. Um, and as Nancy keeps pointing out, there's just time and you know forever. We've also known what it is, what we need to do to prevent them. You know, it is, uh, you know, brush your teeth. Don't. Uh, don't eat sticky sugary because the sticky sugary stays on your teeth uh, and the, um, the bacteria love it, uh, floss. Uh, you know, just, I, I think it's pretty well known how to prevent those two. But uh, what I want to put on your listeners radar is HPV, uh, oral cancer, um, an incredible, uh, new cases of uh, HPV are actually playing out in the mouth. Um, and we are now on a journey, we dental oral health professionals to really encourage parents to make sure their girls and their daughters and sons get the HPV vaccine mm. uh, at the, at at the right schedule um, right. because HPV, the, the oral cancer that results from that virus um, is absolutely preventable if you have the vaccine. And the rate of particularly sons, uh, boys, not getting the vaccine is, we need more boys to be vaccinated. We need more girls to be vaccinated. It is such a preventable cancer um, and it's playing out in the dental office because we are seeing it uh, in the backs of the of the throats. Mm. Clarence is uh, yes, I can do a good job there. You, you did you did a good great job. So Stan asked about diseases. I want to ask about cost, insurance, and access. Yes. So let's those so those are my three. So let's talk about that. So I, I will cover cost and insurance and let Nancy talk about access. Okay. Um, Throw in no. Medicare in that one too. <laughs> yeah. So, um, you know, it is expensive uh, to go to the dentist. And what we see is in times of recession, when there's less disposable income, we see fewer people going to the dentist because it is a disposable income kind of activity because uh, not everyone has dental insurance from their employer 
or uh, part of public programs. So I validate, Clarence, uh, that cost is, is an issue. With that high technology that Stan mentioned, dental offices have a lot of input cost. Um, now, insurance, uh, you know, I always like to say dentistry couldn't be more designed wrong because people who have very little disease have usually have very good dental insurance. And that's probably correlated. They have dental insurance, so they go twice as often as somebody without dental insurance. But the part of our population that has a lot of disease, often uh, the only kind of dental insurance they have is through a public program like Medicaid or uh, men, men care. And so many dentists don't take those patients. And so their disease gets worse, which then I'll hand it over to Nancy to say what that means for access. Yeah, Dr. Riggs, um, and Dr. Riggs is one of the people in Minnesota and nationally who's worked on access. I feel like you are, if we saw you in the dictionary, access would be, dental access would be next to your, your name and your photo. Um, so in Minnesota, and, and I just want to say that I've been around for 100 years. I'm past president of the Minnesota Public Health Association, been a consultant in public health. And it wasn't until I started working with the Minnesota uh, Oral Health Coalition that I learned about the access problem we have. And so I always say, boy, if I didn't know it, maybe a lot of other people don't know it as well. But um, like, as Dr. Riggs said, un unless you have commercial insurance, it's very, very difficult to find a dentist or a clinic that will accept um, uh, MinCare, Medicaid, um, even sliding fee scale um, insurance. At the Minnesota Oral Health Coalition, I get a few calls a week from people. Um, I got a horrible call on Friday, someone saying, I, my daughter needs a wisdom tooth pulled and we can't afford it. What do I do? And it just breaks my heart. Um, so access is an issue. On the plus side in Minnesota, we have what we call CAD providers, critical access dental providers. The University of Minnesota Dental School is one of them. Um, they see patients on all government programs, people um, without insurance they do it very well. They, they, it's actually a specialty. Um, some of our critical access dental providers, um, they have uh, staff that speak up to 32, 36 languages. Um, so we're incredibly rich with those resources, but they're not getting reimbursed at a, at a livable um, rate. Um, I talked to some uh, critical access dental provider executive directors, and they tell me, you know, we write 40, 50 grants a year to keep the doors open. Um, and we have foundations like the Delta Dental of Minnesota Foundation and others who fund them and keep their doors open. So yes, access is an issue. Um, it is an issue nationally. That doesn't make it e any better for Minnesota, but um, there, there are, we, we work really hard on it. Um, we have a website called, um, it's findadentistmn.org, where people can go and they can put in their region of the state or their zip code, 
and they can find a list of clinics um, that they can contact. We don't guarantee that that clinic can get them in, but um, but that's one option. Um, so yeah, it's it's difficult to say the least. But so let me. On the let other me hand, ask, we're lucky. You know, historically, you know, for those of us who have been in the public health arena, um, this theme seems to act out. Whenever the country is in some kind of economic turmoil, the first thing that is compromised in a person's health and body is oral. In other words, okay, I'm not going to go to the dentist twice this year. I'm going to go once, or maybe I'll go every other year. Is that still playing out? You know, it it is, as I said, um, the cost of going to the dentist is so high that there is that disposable income. Do I have in a recession or in a downturn disposable right. you know, income to go? And I know, I think Clarence asked about Medicare too. And, you know, again, it's just kind of a fluke of how dentistry and medicine got separated from each other in the early 60s was Medicare. Yeah. Sadly, and I, I don't understand it, but it's the truth. The American Dental Association fought to stay out of Medicare uh, in the early 60s. And that's what really started this division. Now I'm happy to report that the American Dental Association has come around and is working to add a dental benefit to Medicare. And as we all see on TV ads this time of year. No kidding. All the yeah. Medicare Advantage plans. Correct. Are adding a slim dental benefit. There's, you still have to have some disposable income. Uh, and, you know, luckily all those people who had dental insurance through their employer their whole adult life come to Medicare with pretty good teeth. Uh, but uh, I'm still am a believer uh, that dental should be added to Medicare. So let me ask you, because I'm sure both of you have a, have a perspective on this. Um, we have gone through and not done with, I'll say to my audience, um, you know, dealing with COVID. Okay, how did COVID affect uh, dentistry? Mm. Yeah. Well, I'll, I'll do the technical thing and then you can talk about uh, the, the other aspects of it. Like access. Yeah, yeah, go I ahead. Have to, yeah, I have to tell you, we dentists never thought about the aerosol produced by our high-speed hand drills. Yes. For COVID, did we think about that? Um, and so dentistry has been changed forever. It is why, um, you know, the dental team, while they are treating you, have a mask, will always wear a mask now uh, because of what is put into the air from a patient's mouth when there's a high-speed hand drill. So, Nancy, you can talk about the other uh, negative effects, particularly around access. Yeah, I think I think one of the, <clears throat> excuse me, one of the biggest issues we're seeing is our workforce. Um, during, yes. during the, I'll say the lockdown or the, yeah, the lockdown part of COVID and subsequent months, um, we just saw, especially hygienists, 
uh, dental hygienists leave our workforce, um, I want to say in droves, but but we lost them. We lost a lot of clinicians, um, dental hygienists for sure. Um, we have a horrible dental assistant workforce shortage in Minnesota. Um, for those of you that are interested, it's a it's a great career. In less than a year, you can be in a clinic. We have the highest pay rates in the nation. Just a little little plug if you want to look into that career. But um, we're still recovering, and I think it will take quite a while for us to recover um, and and get the workforce back to where we need it to be in a healthy place. Um, and definitely, if you if you look on, you know, there's some Facebook um, Facebook pages for um, dental hygienists and different dental, and you can see that um, the the pay scale is going up. There are bonuses. Um, we we've got some we've got an awesome clinic um, in Minnesota, and they're looking at different flexible hour um, uh, models so that they can get more clinicians. So I think that's a big part of it. Um, we're still, I think there's still some um, hesitancy on behalf of patients to go back. Yeah. Although I think that's a lot better now than it was at least a year ago. Um, and Dr. Riggs can probably speak to that. But I know after the lockdown, um, that was an issue for us. We have um, amazing providers that go into schools. Yeah. And um, so there was a time when schools were not letting them come back in. And I think this gets back to why um, public health communication programs like this are so important is whether it's fluoride varnish or I'm sorry, whether it's fluoride or the hard toothbrush, the hard bristle, all the things that we've talked about so far is we need really good public health communication because as humans, we can get things in our minds and believe them. And we can find things that that say, oh, you know, I thought that and I, and and now I see it's true when it's really not true. And it, it affects our health and our public health negatively. Um, the dentist is a safe place to go. Yeah. And, um, so we want to make sure that people are going. Um, you know, it was interesting during COVID. I, you know, we went to the dentist and and and, and Dr. Riggs, to your to your point, it was really interesting how they how they were dressed differently than they were you know two years prior or whatever it's like they almost had like hazmat suits on okay but it was interesting because i felt safer knowing that they were they were being careful as as well all right one other thing i really want to touch on and clarence you probably have a, a zillion other questions too but all right, there's all these different fields in oral health, orthodontia, endodontics, and and then blah, 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 periodontics. Quickly define a, at least some of the most common ones for our, our listen. Orthodontia, let's start there. What is that for? Sure. Um, you know, orthodontia, um, your mouth, uh, is built for a lot of self-cleaning and a lot of self-care. I mean, a hundred years ago, there there wasn't, you know, five hundred different toothpaste and toothbrush choices. In right. Cars. And so, um, you know, your a body is built for self-cleaning, 
And a big part of that uh, is if they're in alignment where where the um, you know the the cheeks and the lips can be part of that self-cleaning. So orthodontia or orthodontics is um, when you have crooked teeth, mm-hmm. uh, it straightens them out. So you have the best chance for that self-cleaning, that self-care to happen because when yeah. they're crooked, it throws that off. All right. And what else? Tell me some of the other common ones that we deal with. Endodontics. Well, you know, um, when a tooth has had decay and it goes down to that nerve and you've got that terrible toothache, that's a sign the nerve and the blood inside the tooth are dying. And so a root canal specialist or an endodontist or a dentist too, in some simple cases can go in and get that dying nerve and blood out and then fill that empty hole with an inert substance. Yeah. That's just to recognize. So if any of you have had a root canal, by the time you need a root canal, you say, do whatever it takes. Right, right. Clarence, what's your experience or what, what, well, you know what? I was gonna I was gonna ask the question once again. So I'm, you know, I'm kind of getting off base here. But let me. Uh, uh, one of the questions I wanted to ask is that there are a lot of people who uh, they have a beautiful uh, set of teeth, uh, but there are other symptoms that might you know they they think like, well, I don't need to go to see a dentist because my teeth are so beautiful. But uh, what are some of the signs where you need to, even though you have a beautiful set of teeth, you may need to go the dentist. I mean, we want to encourage people to do it twice a year, right? But you know how people are. You know, we may do it once every two, three, four, five years. But there are some things that that even though you have a beautiful set of teeth, there are some things that your mouth will tell you that says that you need some attention. So can you talk about that? You know, I'm just going to start this off and I'll turn it over to Nancy. If I had a magic wand, Clarence, you know what I would do? I would set up screening everywhere (laughs) so that uh, patients who think they have a pretty good set of teeth, a dentist could just kind of quickly go in or even a hygienist could go in and kind of just do a triage and say, take this off your worry list, come to a dentist and eat. Mm. Or like, oh my gosh, even though you can't tell that you have a problem, you have bad gum disease and Mm the sockets that your teeth are sitting in are eroding. You need to get to the dentist right away. I, I wish we mm. do that because you're right, Clarence. Often just a, a person can't tell. I mean, physicians can't even tell yeah. that whether this is a case that needs to go or not. Uh, so uh, it is a uh, Clarence, I think you're exactly right. It's kind of a hang up of why people think I don't need to go to the dentist this year until they get a toothache. Right. (laughs) And then it's a little late. Nancy, what do you see? Well, especially with our, you know, you can buy all these whiteners now, right? We, there's so many products you can buy to make our teeth, you know, look good. And I think Dr. Riggs just speaks to the, to the, the point that, unless it's someone qualified to look inside of our mouths. I mean, I, I love white teeth. That's great. 
but um, that seeing a professional going to be seen and um, any fears that people might have. I mean, once they, once they get in and they have that dental home or they get to know that clinic, all that's gone. I mean, our, our dentists today are trained so well and they really, really care about their patients. And those of us, I mean, my dentist is down the road. I can, I can ride my bike to go see him. I'm very lucky. And, um, and I know all about his kids and, you know, it's just, it's, it's become, it's my dental home and that's what we hope for everyone. And, um, and even if I didn't know him, he, he would treat me like old. So, so we're very lucky, but it is, it is important. To get let me ask professional. Yeah. Yeah. Let me let me ask this follow-up question. I as you were talking, both you and Dr. Rich were talking. I, you know, we do a lot of community work, right? We're out there in the community all the time. How long does it take in a community setting? How long would it take to do a a a quick dental screening, or do you need a lot of time? No, you don't. I tell you, there's actually a public health uh uh approach to this. Okay that we do in schools to get a rough sense of the prevalence of disease in children. And you can also, they've now developed a similar tools for nursing homes, which is basically, you know, adults, you know, Clarence, it, it is, it's quick. I mean, you know, it's, it's uh, again, to just get a rough crude. Now I don't want to say crude, but uh, because it, this way of doing it has been validated in uh, through public health scientific ways, and we're we're talking like a minute. A minute? Wow! Yeah. So then, so then, then for me, yeah, as a community person, we need mm-hmm. to talk about having you all help us to do more of these health screenings at at public health events. I mean, so or barbershops. We do. We we check blood yeah, pressure yeah. at barbershop. Yeah, okay, yeah. while you're here, open your mouth. We'll take a look. <laughs> right, right. So we so 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 let's talk about that a little bit off off offline. <laughs> but I do think that it's important uh, for us to uh, at least look at this, consider it. And and that's the beauty of our partnerships. These kind of things always come up when we have conversations, right? right. Just really great ideas. All right. So. Um, we could we could have lots of shows on 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 oral health, and you know with you you two are are absolutely incredible guests, and um, I hope it's okay if we reserve the right to give you a call back on on our show. Um, but we always like to we always like to end our shows by a true good parting thought, like. Okay, if there's a bunch of people that are that are listening to this, uh, okay, uh, Dr. Riggs, okay, Nancy, what's the one thing you want to get out there and make sure that they hear? Go for it. I've got one. Go. This is what I say to anyone who will listen to me. So thank you. Thank you, Clarence and Stan, for giving me the time uh, to say a a few things here um, on Health Chatter. In the end, everybody, it's just bacteria. So think of what you do when you have bacteria in your hands. You wash your hands. 
all decay and gum disease is, is a food source in your mouth, a carbohydrate, typically a sugar. The bacteria has eaten that carbohydrate or that sugar and the bacteria excretes an acid that causes decay or a substance that makes the, the, um, uh, the what the tooth sits in, uh, this tooth socket erode. So if you think of just everything in your life, what you do just so that bacteria doesn't cause harm in your body, that's what you're doing by brushing your teeth to remove the, the sugar or carbohydrate and the bacteria so it can't excrete anything. Uh, and the fluoride makes that too stronger. So what the bacteria excretes, the acid, doesn't start decay. So that's my uh, one message. It's just bacteria. It's bacteria. And brush it and brush it away, right? Yeah. Let me ask. You, let me ask I you a real quick question. Yeah. Let me ask you. I know. Before we get to Nancy, uh, Doctor Riggs, is there a cartoon that uh, explains what you just said? Because I'm thinking about. I'm thinking about. I could take that to a school with little kids and show them the cartoon, and that in turn would help them to really understand why brushing is important. So, is there cartoons like that? There is. Go ahead, okay. Nancy. Oh, you know, it, it, once again, I I don't want to follow Dr. Sheila Riggs on anything. I always want to go first. Um, but uh, so my parting my parting thought would be, um, if you haven't already, change your attitude about dental. Your dentists and your dental hygienists, your dental assistants, your office managers, they really care about your health. Um, they're good people. They're good people. They're um, <laughs> They're in your community, um, prevention and um, being seen by a by a dentist. Those are really positive things. And keeping our mouths clean and healthy, that just helps our overall health. And that's what we all want. That's why we're all here. So I, if there's one thing I can say to folks, it's let's, if you have any negativity, just switch it around. It's, it's, it, that's, that's old school. New so, you know. Um, I've been dealing with, with patients who have had knee surgery and, you know, many of the patients will say, you know, God made, you know, two mistakes. This is people who have just come out of surgery. They say the, stru <laughs> the stru you know, it's easy for them to say this, but, you know, the structure or the engineering of a knee, which I can attest to. Okay. I think the guy upstairs really goofed up. And then the other thing, ironically, is they say putting nerves in our teeth. It's just like, really? Why, you know, well, <laughs> but the truth is, going on, the, right? the truth is it, it gives us a, you know, a wake up call when right. we need it. Right. So it's, it's, it, they are important. So uh, Dr. Sheila Riggs, you know, hugs to you. Thank you so, so much for your, for your insights and, and guidance, Nancy. Yeah. You're special. So Thanks. thank you. And, and I, I love the idea that both of you are not only, you know, um, are so involved in, in the community and trying to get good, good work out there around oral health. So uh, kudos to you. To our listening audience, again, 
happy, happy Thanksgiving to, to all of you. And keep health chatting away. Hi, everyone. It's Matthew from Behind the Scenes. And I wanted to let everyone know that we have a new website up and running, helpchatterpodcast.com. You can go on there. You can interact with us. You can communicate with us. Send us a message. You can comment on each episode. You can rate us. Uh, and it's just another way for everyone to communicate with uh, Stan and Clarence and all of us at the Help Chatter team. So definitely check it out. Again, that's helpchatterpodcast.com. 